You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Grace. And hey, it's Sarah. And today, uh, this is probably the last of our regular Friday spooky stories for this fall, unless we decide to do another one or two in November. But for our kind of final dive in, we are going to go down to Gettysburg. I was actually kind of surprised that we didn't do this at all last year. So I wanted to jump on it this year. Just a little bit of background on the Battle of Gettysburg, because just about all of the stories that I'm going to tell stem from Civil War soldiers. So a little bit of background. The Battle of Gettysburg was a three-day-long battle as part of the Civil War. They fought from July 1st to 3rd, 1863. And between those days, the Union and Confederate soldiers fired, fought, and died for their side. In just these three days alone, over 7,000 men died and nearly 50,000 were injured. Um, It is known as the bloodiest battle of the Civil War, and as a result, a lot of alleged hauntings have occurred in Gettysburg ever since those days. Most of what I'm going to talk about today is coming from different videos, um, and they're all not necessarily linked because they're not all links, but they're all at least sourced on our blog post, so you can check them out. I did watch most of them through Hulu or YouTube. So if you have those two streaming services, you would be able to watch most of these episodes as well. So we're going to start with BuzzFeed Unsolved because when in doubt, I always go for Ryan and Shane and have to hop on and watch what nonsense they have to say about things. They actually only had one episode from Gettysburg, which was kind of surprising, but it was from a more recent season. So I'm wondering if they just kind of have some of that banked and they're going to be releasing it. They just started a new ghost hunting show that's off of BuzzFeed. It's their own kind of brand. And so I'm hoping some of the Gettysburg stuff might come up there. But the only building that they had in this episode was the Farmsworth House Inn. So the Farmsworth House Inn was used during the Civil War as a sniper's den and a makeshift hospital. So um, the sniper's den was like the attic and second floor of the house. And then they used more so the basement than anything else for kind of a makeshift hospital. Now, the house was originally built in 1810, so it existed a significant amount of time before the Civil War even started, let alone made its way up to Pennsylvania. Um, There were some new sections added in 1833, but again, that was all there and standing for 30 years before the war. So it actually is named Farmsworth House Inn for a general who died in the Civil War when he was 25. So it got named after him. During the Civil War, the Sweeney family owned it, um, but eventually Confederate soldiers came in and took it over because it was less than one mile from the battlefield. So it was a an advantageous point for the Confederates to have. So they took over the house. It is also thought that... Do you know who Jenny Wade is? Mm-mm, no. Okay, so Jenny Wade is the only civilian that was killed in the Battle of Gettysburg. Ironically, she left her house because it was closer to the battlefields, and she was at her sister's house, and she was baking, and they kind of had like a double-door system, which was typical in kitchens, and one of the doors was open, and a bullet came through the one door, and it went right into, I think it entered in front, um, or it entered through the back, like through her spine, through her heart, and came out the front. Oh my god. Um, and she died. She was the only civilian killed during those three days in Gettysburg. So that's horrifying. Imagine, like, being right in that room with her. Like, and all of a sudden, right. like your sister just gets shot. That's insane. Yeah. And were any other, I know you said no other civilians died, but were other civilians shot? 
Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Wow. So, okay. So one was shot and it like went through her heart. Yeah. Holy cow. Like through a door. She was standing like in a kitchen. Like she was, I think she was baking bread. I forget the exact detail, but. That's like something from a movie where you'd be like, that's too much. That that wouldn't happen. That's a stretch. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Wow. How sad. All of that about Jenny Wade to say that it is thought that the bullet that killed her was fired from the attic of the Farmsworth house in by a Confederate sniper. Um, I don't know how much proof there is to that, um, but that's what Ryan told me on BuzzFeed Unsolved. So, So a lot of what I have... From BuzzFeed Unsolved is just kind of their um, their evidence of paranormal investigation. So I'm just going to kind of go through what they did in the house and what some of the responses were um, for the Farmsworth House Inn. So they started with a spirit box. Um, a spirit box is a, I think it's an FM transmitter, but it's a radio transmitter of some sort. It scans all radio frequencies Um, Pretty much like scanning every frequency simultaneously. It stays on a frequency for like a tenth of a second or something. It's insanely quick. But the thought with it is that spirits can use the human energy that is in the room and then use what's this is called the spirit box. Use it to speak through the radio transmission. It always makes me think of Bumblebee from the Transformers. Because he's, I'll take your word for it. He spoke through the radio. Oh, okay. (laughs) But it was like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it. (laughs) Um, but this, this is the one. If you've ever watched like a ghost show, this is the one where it just sounds like static, and then every once in a while it gets like a blip of a word or whatever. So it's like the whole time it's like, and then like the people listening to it try to analyze it and figure out what is being said. Some things are very convincing, um, but I am fully always a skeptic. I believe that there are other things out there, but I'm so skeptical of everything that comes across almost because I want it to be real. So I want to not be able to prove it wrong. I'm the same exact way. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) let's try every single, you know, way we can to prove this wrong so we can prove that Right. It's not wrong. (laughs) So that it can't be proven. Exactly. Exactly. There are some convincing things that come through the spirit box. Um, Some of it, I think, especially on these TV shows, a lot of it, I think, is um, like almost self-fulfilling prophecy in a way because they give you like there are some shows that they'll play it a couple times and not tell you what it is. And then they just talk about it. But then there's other shows where it'll immediately put their translation of it over top. And it makes me think of like the Yanny Laurel thing yeah, that, that went around. Like whatever you're listening for is what you're going to hear. Exactly. Yeah. I, what is that? Confirmation bias? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. So I couldn't think of the They're term. like, ooh, the box said George and George is the one who died here. But you hear like, eh. <laughs> Right. Like, it's like, no, mm-hmm. that was just the neighborhood cat going into heat. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so anyway, they used the spirit box in a room in the Farmsworth House Inn. And um, at one point they were just sitting there. So basically they sit there, they ask questions, and they wait for responses. So at one point they said, what do you want to talk about? And a voice came in and said, November 23rd, which they were like, Cool. That has nothing to do with the Civil War, but it could be any of the other people that have been in this house in the past 280 years that it's, you know, been standing. They're like, I'm a Sagittarius. Um, Let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, that's that's just what I want to do. There was another one, and this is one that I couldn't hear, but they put the translation of it i guess on the screen sure close captioning I'm in pain. yeah um there was one saying i'm in pain which i feel like any sort of like moaning at all you're gonna be able to get i'm in pain out of just because of 
the letters and the letter sounds within those words. Oh, here comes the linguist. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but I could not hear this. Like I rewound on Hulu multiple times to try to hear this one. And I absolutely could not hear it but they claim it said i'm in pain now they do also like to get very sassy with ghosts when they are interacting with with the paranormal and uh at one point ryan said you realize you are a prolific loser and on the spirit yeah on the spirit box it came through and this one i heard clear as day it said is that so ew and then yeah right and then it basically got silent um like there were no responses coming from like spirits or you know no interaction happening and then um at one point ryan just said all right if you don't want to interact with us then we're just gonna leave and then right after that it came through and said leave (laughs) and i was like well all right clearly you don't want me here i'm a piece like bye yeah rude (laughs) yeah so um They did then give a little bit more background on the house. Um, So the Schultz family owns it now. Um, They claim that there are 16 spirits that they can pinpoint as being separate spirits within the house. Um, Several of them are dead soldiers that are just thought to be on a continual loop. And there's a lot of that that comes up in these stories. Just the thought of like residual energy of living out their last days or moments or whatever. And probably Um, less intelligent responses than. Right. Right. So there is a, a room in the house called the Schultz room because the Schultz family owns the house now. And there's a thought that there is a soldier spirit in that room. Um, apparently you get the sensation of being tucked in at night and they think that it is possibly the ghost of a midwife who worked there when it was a makeshift hospital because she would have been, you know, tending to those needs. That's kind of sweet. You can tuck me in. Yeah. Now the, the boys on the show decided to lay in bed and cry for like 30 seconds acting like children in order to be tucked in which was weird um <laughs> but very entertaining so huh go watch it i guess um but yeah they they didn't capture anything confirming any of that but that was part of it you can tuck me in but don't be pulling the blankets off of me then i'll be upset and don't like permanently tuck me in like let me be able to untuck myself <laughs> Like that would be my fear. I do imagine like when my, when I was a kid, my dad would like really tuck in the side of the end of the bed. So it's like a straight jacket. I don't, I don't want that. That's not what I'm looking for. Getting under sheets at a hotel. Like when they tuck them that tight. Yeah. 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 So there is supposedly a spirit of an eight year old boy named Jeremy. Now he... This was before the Civil War. He was playing horse and wagon tag when he tripped and was run over by a carriage. And that, I don't know what kind of game you're playing where you've got humans and carriages in the same game, but I feel like it should probably not be played. Yikes. It seems like a not good combination. Anyway... They brought him into the house immediately to tend to him, um, and he died in a room called the Sarah Black Room, which is weird because I went to high school with a girl named Sarah Black. Huh. Um, That's kind of Our names were always next to each other. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, but that sounds ominous. Yeah, kind of. So there was a, a photo that someone took this room has a bathroom attached, and I guess he technically died in the bathroom of the room and somebody apparently took a picture in the mirror one day and there was like a boy standing in the Uh, mirror (laughs) yeah right like that absolutely creeps me out but they've tried to replicate it since and they haven't seen anything else like popping up in the mirror so it very well may have just been another visitor or whatever there's also a video of a boy i couldn't find it um 
on the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode, they were like, you can find it online. And I was like, well, apparently I'm an idiot because I couldn't find it. So if anyone finds this, send it our way. But apparently there's a video out there of a boy who's in the Farmsworth House Inn rolling a marble and it rolls and then stops and then rolls perfectly back to him, like as if somebody else is pushing the marble back I to I feel him. like I heard about that at some point. And I've only been to Gettysburg probably once when I was a kid. So I don't know if Dude, it's something I heard there or something. I don't know. That just sounds very familiar to me. But I've, I don't think I've okay. ever seen the video. Yeah. Um, well, apparently it's very easy to find unless you are me. <laughs> so um, that was kind of some of the... Um, information they had before going in. Um, they did the flashlight trick in this room. Um, the flashlight trick is where they'll turn a flashlight on and it'll be a flashlight that responds to pressure or movement. I think it's like, basically you take a regular flashlight and you just unscrew it a little bit so that like any sort of movement will turn it on or off so that a like spirit doesn't have to use a ton of energy I guess is the rationale behind it. Um, but basically they'll put this flashlight out and they'll say, all right, turn it on if, or if it's on, they'll say, turn it off if. Um, and then they just kind of ask a bunch of different questions and scenarios and they either get responses or they don't get responses. Um, so they were asking questions and they found out that it was not Jeremy. So it was not this boy that they were attempting to contact, but there was someone there. Um, they were not a Confederate soldier. They were not a Union soldier. And they said at one point, um, turn the light off if you had nothing to do with the Civil War. And then the light turned off. And um, it was Sarah this, Black. <laughs> right. Um, no. So they found out this person did not die here. Um, this person was not a lover of Civil War history. And at one point, I think it was Shane, but it could have been Ryan said, are we boring you? And then the light turned off and then there was no more interaction. So kind of funny, but also kind of like if it was just random interaction, it would have kept going after that point. And, you know, after he said, all right, are we boring you? And then it turned off and never came back. It's kind of like, oh, well, maybe it really was something controlling it. Maybe it was Jeremy and he was just messing with them. And then he was like, I'm <laughs> bored. Goodbye. <laughs> Sounds like an eight year old. Kid yeah, thing exactly. To do. Like, like uh, not gonna lie. you can leave now. I'm going to go play with my right. marble. Right. hundred <laughs> percent. Absolutely. So really, we got nothing from that flashlight. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, God. <laughs> test. But, you know, whatever. So after this, they went down to the cellar. This is the last place that they went. Um, the cellar was a temporary field hospital during the war. Most of the times in these buildings, the cellars had at least one external door. And so it made it easier for um, disposal of bodies, um, which as unfortunate as that is, was a big part of planning um, when they would take these makeshift hospitals, knowing that, you know, they were either going to have amputations or just cadavers. Um, so they did the flashlight trick again, and they got a response to something said about Robert E. Lee. Um, but then they tried to ask follow-up questions and got no further responses. So I'm going to say that was probably just like a breeze that rolled the flashlight. This is another one that I couldn't hear, but it was on the closed captioning. Um, they did the spirit box. And at one point they got a ghost or a voice, I guess, saying kill them. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear it. And that was another one I played it over a couple separate times and I did even like headphones in. I used different headphones and I I couldn't hear that one. So hmm. um, but that's what what they claim. There was um, a door in the cellar that has a cross painted on it. The cross was painted on by Lorraine Warren when she visited the house. Oh, at one point. that's interesting. Uh, do you know who she is? I do, but I don't know that everyone does. 
So she is, and you can kind of correct me or fill in the blanks, but she is a psychic and she's a medium. And so she can, she's able to see and communicate with entities, whether they're dead human spirits or other types of spirits. Um, and she was involved with, was it Amityville? Was yeah, that the big one? Ed, it was she, her and her husband. So they were both. Yes. They traveled together. Lorraine and, they, and Ed. John. Ed. And Ed. they were involved in like Amityville and um, a few that. The Conjuring had House, like I know. Poltergeist. Yeah, the Conjuring franchise is basically based off of yes. them. So, yes. You're right. Yes. And I know she and Ed had different, uh, I don't want to say powers, but... Abilities. Yeah, uh, but I um, can't quite remember. I think his, his was more visual. Like, mm. he could see images rather than people, if that makes sense. But I could be mixing them up with another psychic medium couple there is also quite a bit of controversy surrounding them so they're actually kind of a yes. story within themselves and it's worth yes. looking into if you're interested in that stuff absolutely and i think oh there was a podcast that did a couple episodes spread and i want to say it was either morbid or and that's why we drink because those are the two i listen to the most, and that's why but... we drink has done I don't know if it was back to back, but definitely multiple episodes about either cases that they were involved with, or they also did at least one yeah. episode about them just as yes. a couple. Okay. So. Then I must be, because M did that, right? Yes. Yes. They yes, did yes. all the, right. Because Lorraine Warren would be in the, on what M's side is. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I must be thinking of the, and that's why we drink episodes um but m talks about lorraine and ed all the time so anyway she was at this in in the cellar and she painted a cross on the one door um the owners claim that it's trapping a dark entity so naturally shane opened the door don't open dead it inside a, right it had a hot water heater in it nothing else and Spooky. in the years in the years since the filming, nothing crazy has happened at the house. So um, either it worked or it was not what they were told it was. Like either the blessing worked or there wasn't really some crazy dark entity in there. But at one point, the ghost did tell him to F off. <laughs> Me as a ghost. <laughs> and that, like that was pretty much like the end of the episode. I'm napping. Um, Get out of here. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, so there was... Not a whole lot of evidence in there, just a lot of joking around, but some some information came out of that. So um, that was the Farmsworth House Inn. And then next I went into, um, it's a History Channel show called Haunted History. And just before you continue real quick, just about the inn, yeah. is that a place that the public can visit? Like if we were to go, could we go in uh, there or do know. you have to get special permissions like investigators? stuff like that um i do not know okay i know to investigate it you obviously would have to sure but i don't know because the, i think it's a functioning in um oh okay but i could be wrong but i know like each of the rooms has a, a specific like it's the sweeney room and the sarah black room and the so i think there is either it's a tourist attraction or it's a functioning inn. Okay. Um, cause they do talk about like people seeing things and. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That took me a while to think through that, but <laughs> we got there. <laughs> goodness gracious. Anyway. So, um, haunted history is a show on the history channel and season one, episode two. So right from the start of the show, they knew to come to Pennsylvania and they talked about different ghosts in Gettysburg. They they don't go into too much here, but it gives us a little bit of background before we start going into some of what Mark Nesbitt has really uncovered and started pushing out within Gettysburg, which is the Ghosts of Gettysburg kind of brand. So before we go into that side of it, one little piece here from History Channel, and then we'll keep going. So when they talked about... 
the Battle of Gettysburg and the ghosts of Gettysburg. They did have a psychic on and they also just had some paranormal experts on. And I think I think we know this without having to go into it just with at least the interest you and I have in the paranormal. But in general, we are more likely to see some sort of paranormal or energy activity going on in an area like this because of how much death was happening at one time. When you have something like 7,000 people being killed in this small town in the span of three days. Um, there's just a lot of energy at play there. So none of these deaths were like one or two people dying at a time. You know, you had cannonballs flying and killing people. You had um, multiple gunshots being fired. You'd be trying to save one person and then you'd get shot yourself. And, you know, there was not a slow unraveling of death. It was, you know, massive and the bloodiest battle of the Civil War. A lot of the spirits they claim are trapped because of the horrendous ways that they died. There are a lot of sightings of spirits in what's called Death Valley. There's an area in Gettysburg called Devil's Den. And then if you're at Devil's Den and you look like over the rocks, if you're behind the rocks looking over them, then you're looking toward Little Round Top. And there's an area between the two that dips down. It's a valley and that's Death Valley. So there's a lot of sightings in those areas between Round Top, Death Valley and Devil's Den. There are also, I will say, in those areas, a lot of cannons. Um, like now as where they stand for, you know, tourism and people coming through, there are a lot of cannons there. So there are are also thoughts that a lot of residual energy may be attached to some of those cannons because um, any of the like tarnished, like the blue green cannons that you see in Gettysburg are from the Civil War. Um, like they're still on the battlefields from 1863. That's insane so gonna... to think about. Right. Like very cool, very right. dark, very sad, but. Like all of that, just very, Amazing very interesting. Has survived that long. Right. Just exposed to every element in Pennsylvania. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's just crazy. But they think that that kind of keeps a lot of the energy in these areas as well, because there are so many. There's a, a pathway behind Devil's Den and there's a ton of them there. And then there's a bunch along the road where Round Top is. Personally, I'm like a big believer more in residual energy as opposed to like intelligent spirits that can communicate with you. I think I yes. definitely think that certain things just trap the energy there. Yes. Yeah. I I agree especially from all that trauma i mean you're just you're, yes. you'll just feel it yeah um so on this episode of haunted history like i said they had some psychics in and um the psychics you know are are only human so even though they have kind of that sixth sense um or that extension of their five senses to be able to to kind of sense beyond this realm um they still utilize some of the same tools that a paranormal investigator would that's not psychic, um, including EVPs. So um, the one psychic did talk about a time that she went out and she did later hear an EVP of I'll shoot you um, from when they were in the Death Valley area. Do you want to explain um, what which, an EVP is just so yes. people know? I feel like we take it for granted because we listen to yes. a lot of this stuff. But <laughs> yes. Um, so EVP stands for electric voice phenomena. And it is when investigators will utilize a recording and then they'll play it back. And the thought is that the recording can pick up on frequencies that the human ear cannot. And so then they listen back and try to see if there are like answers to questions. Um, so anytime, if you've ever seen like a ghost hunting show or um, seen like a movie with ghost hunters and they kind of say something into a recorder and then pause 
and then they're listening to it later. It's a, that's an EVP. So they're listening for that electronic or electric voice phenomena. So you don't hear electric, it in real time. You have to right. play the recording You have to go back. back and play it back. Yeah. But yeah, so when they listened back to that EVP, they heard, I'll shoot you. Um, yeah. There was a visitor that reported red scratch marks that were like turning into welts. He said he felt someone grab him by his wrist and drag him down a hill where he saw an actual pit full of Confederate soldiers. Um, and it was like these Confederate soldiers were like in the pit trying to reach up um, and get out and they couldn't. And then he felt someone like grab his back and then he like turned. And when he turned, I just realized I looked away from the microphone. He turned and then he turned back and everything was gone and he was just in the field. But then he had those marks on his back. Ooh, that's afterward. That's full body chills. That's a nightmare. So that comes back later when we talk about um, a person that got buried alive. Oh, no, 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 no. That's apparently like the number one most common fear is being buried alive. And I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, he had that experience. They also talked a little bit, and we're going to talk about this more in um, some of the notes a little bit later on, but Homestead Orphanage had a, um, an abusive, I guess, house mother. Um, I'm not 100% sure what they would be called, but she was very abusive of the children that were in the orphanage. She would lock them in the basement. She would not feed them. She would um make them like live in their waste and all of that disgusting stuff it's horrible yeah and there are a lot of paranormal experiences that confirm that her presence may still be there um and like i said we'll talk about that in some of the other notes that i have but that was part of what they talked about on the haunted history episode and then there was a story from a person that was a tour guide at the jenny wade house um so again jenny wade is the the citizen that was killed the civilian that was killed and it's called the jenny wade house but it wasn't her house it was her sister's house um i know i mentioned this earlier but just i think it's important to note i don't know i'm just obsessed with the fact um that she lived closer to the battlefields so she left her house so she was at her sister's house but because it's the place of her death it is known as the jenny wade house so it gets kind of confusing in the name but somebody that was a tour guide at the jenny wade house said that they went on um they went to like a psychic reading or they were doing a ghost tour and there was a psychic there or something and you know this person could have easily known that the worker worked at the Jenny Wade house and whatever and um the psychic at one point turned and said you you do something with a a Mary there's a, a Mary that's trying to come through and thank you for the the work that you do for her and um Jenny's full name was actually Mary Virginia Wade. Oh. And so that was kind of cool. Um, I think this was the time, and I may be wrong, but I think this was the time where you had a lot of Mary names, like Mary Elise, Mary Elizabeth, mm. Mary Jane, you know, um, all of those different like Mary Ann, you know. And so I think it was very common to see like a Mary Virginia but you go by Jenny or Ginny. So that would be kind of like you just go by your middle name. Right. Everyone's first name is Mary. That's weird. Who would um, go by their middle name? That's super weird. I can't think of anyone that would. <laughs> no, not at all. But yeah, so that was kind of cool from the the point of view of that, you know, psychic saying someone named Mary and is like thanking you for the work that you do with her and. That's cool. Thinking that it could be Jenny Wade. Um, But again, this person could have just done their research, figured out her actual name and, you know, whatever. Um, So 
Now we're going to go over to the Ghosts of Gettysburg documentaries. There are two of them. Um, and it's a lot of notes. Like, I think I had messaged you and Chelsea when I was doing the notes and I was like, it's like eight pages of notes, but it's a lot of very short notes. So if you have heard of any thing related to Ghosts of Gettysburg as a brand, um, it comes from Mark Nesbitt. He was a park ranger in Gettysburg at one point, and he said, you know, as the park ranger, you hear all the stories. And he's like, you know, you're out there a lot, so you might experience something, but you're always going to have people that say, I saw whatever. And he said, so he just started collecting them. And there's a ton of books. There's um, the documentaries. All of the ghost tours in Gettysburg are Ghosts of Gettysburg tours. Um, so all of that stems from this former park ranger. And they just kind of dive in and start looking at different locations. So we'll do the same. Um, just stop me and throw questions or comments at me. They started in uh, Gettysburg College. Um, it was originally called Pennsylvania College, and it only had three buildings. Um, three of those buildings still stand at Gettysburg College. One of them was, it was basically like you had the admin building, you had a building to live in, and you had a like library and educational center. Um, so those were the three buildings. And the old hall or the, sorry, the old dorm is now called Pennsylvania Hall. And there's a thought of there being ghosts uh, in the old dorm. Um, because of the location, a lot of the areas of Gettysburg College were actually used as makeshift hospitals, kind of like pretty much every building that existed in Gettysburg yeah, at the time. Right? But it was, I mean, it's kind of like Valley Forge, how a lot of the college dorms, or at least the former dorms, were all part of the hospital from the war just because it was right by the battlefield. Right. And so was this, was it functioning as a college during the war? I mean, be, at least before the war? Yeah. So okay. Pennsylvania College had existed beforehand. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And then it became Gettysburg later on, but it existed. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So it it had, whether it was currently or not, at some point been a university. Okay. Um, or a college, I guess, um, whatever the difference is. But anyway, it was used as hospitals just because of the location, um, being only a couple hundred yards from the battlefield. So um, the old dorm is now the administration building. And um, there was one story that they told from here where there were two employees that were trying to go to the first floor and it would not let them go to the first floor. Um, it just took them to the basement and then it like wouldn't go back up. And they both claim that like when the elevator doors opened, they could see like a person performing an amputation. Oh God. And like, they couldn't like blink it away or make it go away. But then eventually they like turned to each other and then looked back and it was all just the normal basement. Ew. Right? And of course, doing like the grossest of medical procedures, <laughs> like performing an amputation. Right. Well, and of course, on the documentary, it's super dramatized as well. My favorite part is that the surgeons are like wearing gloves and masks and it looks nothing like it would have in the Civil War. Oh, <laughs> But, well. you know, whatever. So that was part of the old dorm of Pennsylvania Hall. Um, now, this is the one, shout out to my mom, that creeps her out the most. There is a building at Gettysburg College. It is a dorm. Um, Stevenson Hall, I think. I just wrote Stevenson. I forgot to write the other word. But I think it's Stevenson Hall. Um, and it is known for poltergeist activity. But it was built after the war. So the building used to be a prep school for Gettysburg College. Um, 
and it was where the female students would live like it was the female dorms there was like i said before that orphanage where the kids were being you know brutally abused and malnourished it said that two girls that were living in this prep school took a boy from the orphanage and their headmistress was coming by and so they had him hide outside along the windowsill which just seems like a really bad idea and it was like a blizzard storm coming through that night um so then the headmistress came in and searched and didn't see the boy i guess like rumor had gotten to her that these two girls were holding an orphan (laughs) inside (laughs) i don't i i don't quite get it Um, orphan check (laughs) lift up your mattress but the the headmistress then said okay girls well you need to come downstairs so They couldn't let the boy back in right away. So apparently they had like locks on the windows or something that he couldn't reopen it from the outside. Um, Which is definitely possible. Like I'm not saying it's impossible. I just, I have no clue what windows looked like at this point in time. They probably had like glass and a frame. (laughs) I, you and your husband are a freaking (laughs) perfect pair. (sighs) So sorry. Um, so the boy was standing on the windowsill out in the winter and it was on the third story. So eventually the girls were allowed to go back upstairs, but when they went to look for the boy, they couldn't find him. There were no marks in the snow, like nothing showing that he would have fallen or like climbed down. Like if he tried to go, you know, third floor down to second, down to first or whatever, and then walk away. So there was nothing like that that now women living in this building have since seen apparitions of a blue boy repeatedly over the last century or so the documentary showed like a glowing blue but i would assume it's probably something closer to like a frostbite blue like i'm thinking it's just like production quality in the late 90s when this was made oh so they're real good reenactments Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) The good ones. Like, okay. I remember this movie from my childhood, which should tell you something about my childhood. (laughs) But what I'm seeing in my head is I'm in the dorm. It's nighttime. For some reason, I open the blinds and there's a frozen child just staring at me from the other (laughs) side of the window. And I scream and I pee my pants. And that's the (laughs) scenario that I'm envisioning. (laughs) So not quite. It was more like he would be in a room or in a hallway. Like he would be inside the building (laughs) when they saw his apparition. Even still, but I think I just have some sort of fear of looking out of windows at night because something or someone is going to be staring back at me. (laughs) Yes. Mom and I talked about that because I watched this with her. um, And when she told me it was the freakiest one to her, That's also what she said. She's like, I think it's because I'm always afraid that there's going to be a face in a window. And so that terrifies me to think about that boy like being on the ledge and actually being outside on the third floor. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it's worse when it's um, not the first floor. So it's not like someone could be standing on the ground. It's like third floor and someone is somehow like scaled the building and... (laughs) As you and I are both sitting in third floors of buildings. (laughs) I have very specific fears. (laughs) I don't know what happened to me. (laughs) Uh, I mean, you know, I think about three, three years and a couple weeks ago, you made a questionable decision, but that's her anniversary. I'm making fun of her husband. Oh, God, he deserves it. Now I'm like looking around the computer at the window that's across from me my gosh it's half open Um, i don't like that (laughs) here's another creepy part so um just get a little bit more creeped out about being on the third floor by windows he would only ever appear to women on the third floor and also you would find the words help me written on the outside of frosted windows no also on the third floor nope nope goodbye (laughs) sorry kid yeah goodbye yeah (laughs) bye (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that is the Blue Boy. Um, The next one they went on to talk about was the Cashtown Inn. And the name Cashtown actually comes 
from the idea that innkeepers would only accept cash. At the time, it was common for someone to trade, barter, or work for their stay rather than, you know, like having to pay cash for it. So this inn was specifically known as an inn that only accepted cash. So it was known as the Cash Town Inn. And I thought that was pretty cool. But a lot of Confederate soldiers would have come through that door to that inn. Um, They would have housed a lot of Confederate soldiers there. And there's something weird in room number four, um, but no one can apparently pinpoint it. But there are people that will go to the inn and want to stay in room four and specifically request it. And they'll like call to find a weekend that that room is open and plan their schedule around it. And one of the people that either owns it or works there was like, I mean, you're going to get paranormal experiences here, but it's not specific to the room. Like you're no matter what room you're in you're likely to feel or see or hear something during your stay somewhere within this building. But people seem to really want to be in room four. That's weird. Yeah. And I am sure the documentary explained it and I just missed it and forgot to write it down. <laughs> but the the person like from the inn that was being interviewed said there is no stronger feeling in any sort of specific room Hmm. so that's weird i I got that part down Um, i'm also kind of stuck on trying to imagine what i would barter for a stay in a hotel (laughs) (laughs) like hmm okay here's an avocado one room please (laughs) thanks (laughs) um there is a a recurrence of a confederate soldier in the hallways it's always the same so that's definitely that residual energy that we were talking about before and there was a psychic that said there's definitely an attachment to this place but we don't exactly know how it works or what it is but there's definitely some sort of energy flow um and attachment within that building there are two creepy photos of the inn they do show them both So if you check out, this is the YouTube link that we have. You can see the photos when they talk about Cashtown Inn. Um, One is an older photo and it's like older as in beginnings of film photo where you would have had to stand for, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever for the photo to, to fully expose before you could move. And there was a soldier on the porch facing like 90 degrees from where they where the camera would have been if that makes sense like so like it was like they were standing in profile okay all right gotcha yeah yeah to the candle um what (laughs) you said candle (laughs) (laughs) or i heard candle i think i i started saying camera and then my brain (laughs) shut off I think I expected uh, my mouth to just finish, finish <laughs> the word. Fair enough. Fair I, enough. I don't know. There was a soldier standing on the porch in profile, and there was the actual subject of the photo that was facing the camera. Okay. So they they say that was weird. You know, they claim there was only the person on the porch when they took the photo, but, you know, that was 150 years ago, most likely, that they took the photo, so we can't really say for sure it appeared that it had to have been like a ghost that was standing there because it wasn't someone that was apparently there when the photo was taken not that we can ask anyone now who was there when the photo was taken but so that was one and then the other one was a person in an upstairs window just looking out of the window which is equally if not more creepy than me looking out of my own window and seeing a face. Like, I don't want to look into another building and see, like, a ghost looking at me. Oh, yeah. That would be creepy. But that's what this other photo looks like. I was on Pennhurst campus this past weekend, and every building I passed, I just assumed something would end up looking out at me from a dark window. Like, that's just... I just assumed it would happen. (laughs) Yeah. I would think so, too. But I hate it. Um, I hate that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So 
there is a story of some dignitaries that visited the battlefield and they got to a specific spot and they were really impressed by a reenactment that was going on. And then when they got back, they told whoever about the reenactment and they said, oh, no, we didn't have anything scheduled today. Nobody was out there. I feel like I hear those stories a lot. Like, I'm but just that also like. And it, it feels like that could even be folly I'll do, like, or folly a toi, however many people there were. But just, like, where one person claims it and then just everyone else just kind of believes them. Yeah. And it was just, like, trick of the eyes, but you make up this story. Um, again, skeptic. Me too. Yep. But, um, I mean, it seems kind of cool if it actually happened, but. Yeah. I want it to be true. <laughs> I have to be able to trust the word of strangers, and I just struggle with that. Um, <laughs> That's probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, so as as it happens in a lot of small college towns, um, a lot of houses begin to be rented by students, um, and there is one particular house that college students were renting. Um, the older part of the house was in the back, like that would have been original to um, the town and that would have been from the Civil War times. Um, a newer part was added in like the 1930s or 40s. And one party goer remembers being in that house and looking back and there was like a person standing in the back part of the house that looked sad. And it seemed like just wanted to join the party, but couldn't. Um, and they asked another student who it was and the student who lives in the house says like, oh, so you've seen him too. Yeah, he lives here. We've all seen him, but he can't leave the back area of the house because he's residual, which then I don't understand why he's crying at the party. But the thought is maybe he was just watching the battle going on and was just sad about all the death that was happening. Oh, but then he can't leave that space. Because in in that residual energy, the addition to the house didn't exist. Okay. So that's why it stays in that space. So interesting. I was I thought maybe yeah. he had social anxiety and that's why he couldn't join the party. I mean, that's me. That's but... projection on my part. But <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. really sad if it would be. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. He's trapped there. Yeah. I hate that. So back to Devil's Den, like I mentioned before, they were going up to park rangers and they were saying like, oh, or like just visitors would say like, are there ghosts here? And the park rangers were saying it got to a point where they just responded with, why? What did you see? Hmm. Like, okay, so something must have happened that you're asking if we have ghosts. Yeah. Tell me about the experience. Right. Um. The part that came from a recording is that they were doing an EVP session and they heard on the EVP, what you're looking for is over there, which seems like a really long EVP to catch. Yeah. Also over where? <laughs> right. Um, but just what you're looking for is over there. What if it said under um, there and then the person said underwear and the ghost <laughs> is like, <laughs> <laughs> Colin Robinson. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. Um, but there was also a ghost of a scraggly man. He looks like a war-weary soldier from a Texas regiment. And he looks to be like he, based on his uniform and the description that people have given when they've seen him, he appears to have been from the first Texas unit, very rugged looking. So he is seen in Devil's Den as well. There was another story from a student that was living in a house on Broadway Street. The student lived in the house and would be working late on papers. Um, she always felt like something was off, like she wasn't alone, always felt another presence there. And then she said she really started to get the sensation that someone was behind her and like really started to feel like this is just really strange. Um, and she said she would feel like she was sitting in a cold spot sometimes and it was just a kind of chill that you could not explain. Um, she said, I've been cold. You know, I've lived in Pennsylvania winters. I've been outside in blizzards. And this was just a cold that was different than any sort of weather-based cold that I have ever felt. Mm. Um, so she 
she eventually got up and walked out of the room and she just felt like she had this feeling that someone wanted her to go out of the family room and out of the first floor. Um, so she said, whatever it was, wanted me to move. So I just accommodated it and I left. Um, I just felt like I really had to get upstairs right away. And then she said when she looked back to her desk, she saw a huge column of glowing blue light. Um, And then she said, yeah, I didn't stay very long in that spot. I don't even remember making it up the rest of the stairs. Um, I just remember booking it and getting to my room. Um, She said she did have the thought that the blue light may have come from the headlights of a car turning the corner. And she obsessed the rest of the time that she lived there about watching cars go by and seeing how the light came in. But it never replicated what she saw. Huh. Wow. Um, Yeah. And I think it's easier for us now to say, oh, a blue light, like it could be headlights. We didn't have like the super bright ass blue headlights that we have now. Right. Um, you know, at, at this time. Because um, like I said, these documentaries are from the 90s. So, you know, these stories are from 70s and 80s. Um, yeah, no colored LED lights, at least. Yeah. Common. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she said eventually she did see the blue column again at one point and it moved out of the room and toward her. Um, she didn't go back to her late night work for several nights, but eventually she said she wasn't going to let it run around of her own house. Um, and she said, quote, I wasn't going to allow anything I couldn't see to stop me from liking my life. Sorry. Take that quote part out. I have a typo. Quote, I wasn't going to allow anything I couldn't see to stop me from living my life the way I wanted to live. Go, girl. Yeah, right? Um, Now, she said the last big thing she saw was um, a blue column of light in the doorway. And in the column, there were the distinct features of a man with a puzzled expression. um, As if he was saying, like, why aren't you leaving? Why are you still here? And she told him it was her house and demanded that he get out. And then that's where that story ended. So I don't know if she ever had further experiences, um, but that was all that was reported on the documentary. Hmm. I have heard that that can work if you just, you know, firmly tell them to leave or leave you alone. Right. And, yeah. you know, depending, I yeah. guess, on what kind of haunting it is. But <laughs> True. Um, just a couple more stories here and then we'll wrap up. So, um, here's the buried alive one. I'm sorry. It's not as bad. I, it's just bear with me. Um, there was a wounded soldier who was thought to be dead and he was paralyzed and he had passed out on the battlefield and he was thrown into a barn under a pile of bodies. Um, but he was like at the bottom of a pile that was above ground. So he wasn't like, buried underground alive just buried in bodies yeah that's definitely fine (laughs) and better oh my god well he he had oxygen um so eventually he was found barely alive but he still have still did have vital signs um but he did die a few days later because it was the 1860s and healthcare you know didn't really exist um He did wind up getting a casket burial, unlike most of the soldiers who died in Gettysburg. But just days after he had his casket burial, uh, the barn burnt down and a farmhouse was built over top of it. And all of the owners have said that an angry and restless spirit is in the basement, which would be right where that man was buried alive. I thought you were going to say, like, right after they buried him, he, like, got out or something like that. No, (laughs) that's that's terrifying. So next is the woman in white, because as M. Schultz has taught us, you cannot have a ghost story without a woman in white or red or black. If you don't understand our references to and that's why we drink, please listen to them because it's our favorite and we can't stop talking (laughs) about it. So and we never will. (laughs) Truly, just just listen to them. It's worth it. And I'm. I'm still living on the high that I got like four months ago when they responded to something I sent them on Instagram. 
like made my freaking life. I found a typo in the book and told them about it. And they were like, thanks. We like getting all of these. We're going to send it to our publishers. And then I was like, hey, listen to my podcast. And then they mentioned in their show at one point about people pointing out the typo. So they were probably talking about you. I have not listened lately because the school year has made me want to throw computers out of third story windows and then write on them backwards in the frost. (laughs) I will not be letting you in. Please don't come to my house. (laughs) I wouldn't know which window was yours. I'm so bad at that. Anyway. All right. Let's talk about the woman in in an apartment, by the way. Like, she... I feel like that needed to be said. Like, I don't live in a standalone house. And Sarah's like, which windows <laughs> belong to you? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. She does so the woman in white. <laughs> Remember when I had to explain to you like 20 minutes ago what windows even were? So <laughs> in Spangler's Spring, there is the sad spirit of a young woman who is said to have committed suicide after her betrothed broke off their engagement um there were two nurses who were in the park one day and they decided to stay after sundown which is a no-no in national parks Mm -hmm. um it's against the rules so don't do that um but they were joking about ghosts and they were talking about finding ghosts and then they sat in their car for a few minutes when one of them heard a popping sound And then white mist started coming from a tree and then rising from the tree. And the mist took shape as a human female all in white, which would make sense if it's mist. Um, And the other nurse said that she saw it. She said the ghost seemed to communicate her story without words. Um, The sadness really just struck the nurse and she just started crying. The other nurse just wanted to leave because something had just appeared out of nothing. And she said that was really foreign to her. Now, there is one area that we actually have proof in the form of literally everything breaking down there. Um, Whenever they take cameras in the area... The cameras won't work. Um, when they were filming for this documentary, they took cameras in and they would just kind of um, it wasn't even draining the battery. It was just like um, it, they wouldn't record like you couldn't see what you were doing. The viewfinder wouldn't work or um, it wouldn't allow the recording to start. But if they went half a mile out of that area, their camera worked perfectly fine. But then if they went back to that area, it wouldn't work again. That's so, so common. This, that's why that's yes. also kind of what fuels my belief in like the at least residual energy because yes. you just always hear these stories. My coworker did a ghost hunt at Penhurst and his night vision goggles, the battery died in like a sixth of the time that it was supposed to that's last. Crazy. So it just it's strange. Yeah. Yeah. I fully agree. Um uh but there have been other people excuse me can i talk okay um there have been other people that have just taken like their personal um like cameras or phones or whatever and they can't capture in that area so it's definitely creepy but definitely consistent Mm -hmm. with the paranormal um Okay, so I'm just going to share one more story. Um, This is the story of General Reynolds. He was killed uh, before 1020 a.m. on July 1st. So he was killed like literally the first hours of the Battle of Gettysburg. Um, He was the highest ranking Union officer to die in the battle. And um, at this point in the documentary, there was a psychic named Carol Kirkpatrick who was being interviewed and she was, um, without being given any sort of background information, she was just telling what she was feeling. So <clears throat> she started to describe this really bad pain in her back, um, really starting at the back of her head and very slowly traveling down her body um come to find out that reynolds was shot in the back of the neck right about where she started feeling the pain and then as a result he died 
Um, and so the, the pain would have gone through the nervous system, which would travel down your back. Yikes. Um, and while she was walking toward the spot where he was shot, Carol was able to describe exactly what others had known and said about him. Um, but again, she had been told none of it. Uh, she said that he was feeling very powerful at the time. He had just been offered the command of the Union Army and turned it down. So he definitely felt like, you know, he had the power because they wanted him for this higher position and he turned them down. Um, she said he turned and then was shot. Um, and she said if he had stayed in one spot, he wouldn't have been struck. But because he was moving <clears throat> and going around on the horse, um, it was that combination that caused him to get shot. Mm. Um, and, um... This is one piece that has always, always, always stuck with me. And I said earlier that <clears throat> I like watched these documentaries as a kid. And I remember this one moment where it was like a wax museum. Um, and it was like a man in a coffin and a woman sitting there. And I remember it transitioning to a storefront. And just from my childhood, I remember this memory. So then I'm watching this <clears throat> documentary with my mom and there's a story of this father and adult daughter who saw what appeared to be a wax museum of a man with a woman sitting near him and the man was laying down. And so they did the reenactment and the reenactment was exactly what I had remembered seeing from my childhood, not in like a creepy paranormal way, just in like, <clears throat> I knew this video existed and I couldn't freaking find it. <laughs> and then I found it and I was really excited. Um, but the man was dressed in a general's uniform, laying down asleep. Um, the father-daughter duo were kind of confused about the display of a dead body and a woman in mourning. <clears throat> um, so they went back to the store the next day to figure out, you know, what the purpose of that display was, like to learn a little bit more. And when they came back the next day, the empty room was not empty. It was filled with merchandise. Uh, they spoke to the store owners and tried to describe the scene. There was an area that they had seen last night that was an open doorway. Um, or sorry, not last night, but the previous night um, that was a doorway. And they told the ladies working at the store there was a doorway right here and like pointed to exactly where it was. And they lifted up a curtain and behind the curtain was pegboard because it, there was a doorway there. And they were closing off the doorway for the store purposes of being able to have, like, an area behind the registers that people couldn't get to. Huh. But, like, where the father and daughter had seen this open doorway was exactly where the pegboard is. And it's where the actual doorway is. So that was really weird. Ew. Um, and... When they told the store workers that, the workers were astonished because there's no way that visitors would have known um, for the way that the, like, shop was set up. Like, you couldn't have seen that from the outside. Ew. Yeah. So, all in all, I guess you can choose what you want to believe as fact or fiction. Um, I will always approach things as a skeptic, but I hope to be proved wrong. I've never had a personal paranormal experience in Gettysburg, but doesn't mean it's impossible. That's all we have for this episode of the Keystone Cold Cases podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by me, Sarah. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.